0: This is January 28th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and the Bruins are the middle of their bye week, uh, and they're just coming off the All-Star Game. So there's not a lot of new stuff to talk about. The main new thing is David Pasternak won MVP at the All-Star Game. And I think, I actually believe this has a huge impact on his standing in the NHL and where the NHL is trying to put David Poshnok among the upper echelon of players. Uh, And to discuss that and, you know, mid-season awards, because we have to do that, uh, I had on Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. You all know Connor. You all love Connor. Uh, Big Bruins guy. I don't even have to intro him. You know Connor. Boston Sports Journal. I'll say it for the third time. You know him. All right. Uh, And then we actually start – it's a weird time in the sports world – uh, with Kobe Bryant's death. And I just feel like if you have a sports podcast, you have to address it. Um, so we talked about that at the beginning. Um, and I think this is a genuinely great episode. I hope you guys enjoy it just as much. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, how are you? I'm doing
1: well, Evan. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Uh, you know, again, uh, I said this to you before we started recording. Uh, this is a Bruins podcast, as many of you uh, know pretty well. It's Bruins. Um, but the Kobe Bryant news uh, is so big. I mean, you know, this death uh, that has happened. I mean, he was just such a global icon, and, and, and now he's just gone in the blink of an eye. And it feels weird to have a, a podcast on any sport and not mention it the day after, because this is recorded, as you guys know, on a Monday. So it feels weird to sit here and just talk about all this Bruin stuff and not at least address the Kobe Bryant news. Um, neither of us covered Kobe ever. I don't think you ever did. Uh, you didn't have any job covering the Lakers. We're both pretty yeah. young, so neither of us unfortunately got to cover him. I only saw him play once in person. I went to, I have cousins out at Laguna Beach. Um, they took me to a Laker game in 2012. I saw Kobe play uh, with the Dwight Howard team, the Steve Nash team, yeah. the whole debacle. The
1: you know, was supposed
0: to go to the NBA finals. That team was supposed to be the, the you know, the future of the NBA. It lasted like a year, but uh to he was a cult figure out there, and I think he is everywhere. I mean, I just think you know the loss of him is so big, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was saying this to my friends yesterday. I don't know if we've had a death this shocking and this big. I don't mean to rank people, but since maybe like Michael Jackson, I mean, this was huge, and it just hit so close to home. I mean, you know, his daughter was on board too. I mean, just sort of your initial thoughts on everything.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not breaking any ground with just some I mean, of the fact that it was a tragedy. And with everyone involved in it, I think it was, what, a total of nine people involved in the helicopter crash. So, I mean, there's so many people who are obviously very close to, you know, you know, close to that family that are obviously feeling lost, as you said, with Kobe and, and his daughter, who seemed like she was, you know, just a, a really promising kind of, everyone said she was kind of the mold of him in terms of, how she was on the basketball court. So, I mean, there's just so many layers to this tragedy. And, I mean, as you said, you know, we're, it's a hockey podcast you're running, but I think the thing with Kobe is he kind of transcended so many different sports and the appeal for him. I mean, you look at, you know, growing up, you always had people talking about bird magic and, you know, we're in that generation where I think we kind of more or less just miss Jordan. Like, I, I remember more Jordan like, you know, the the Wizards Jordan, which I don't think like anyone wants to mention <laughs> that, right? so, I mean... When Kobe was kind of getting big was, I think, when a lot of us were kind of growing up. And, you know, I think, I mean, you even see it around multiple sports. I mean, you had, obviously the NBA had all their tributes, but, you know, Neymar had a, a tribute for his game over in Paris. Um, he had a few Bruins players tweet about it. A few of them on Instagram had pictures of Kobe Bryant. I mean, I think he's just a guy that, as you said, kind of transcended, you know, all bunch of different sports. And, you know, even with, you know, what he did on the basketball court. I think he was just a guy that, you know, had so many highlights. And I think just overall his, you know, the aura around a guy like him, and he's a guy who, when you think of him, you know, you think of just, you know, his accomplishments on the court, but, you know, a guy who, you know, is kind of the poster child for, you know, competitiveness, you know, dedication, you know, will. mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you you place what's growing up and you always have the, you know, coaches telling you, you know, Dedicate yourself to the game, you know. You know, keep on working at it, and you hear those things, and you know it's like, you know, the stuff you should be doing. But you're like, okay, okay, I, you know, I, I I do that. Kobe was like the embodiment of like what those kind of things were. Like, I mean, when he like you know refused to lose a game, like you know you were in trouble. Like, you how many times have you seen him just walk down and just take over a game, like on a, on his own will, like. So, I mean, even if it was a different sport or anything like that, um, you know, it's just obviously shocking. Um, it's a tragedy with how many people were involved in it. Um, obviously with him and his family. Um, it's just a, a, a doc day for sports in general. Like, I can't really equate it to something in my lifetime in terms of just, you know, the, how sudden it was, you know, the, the person, you know, the people involved, stuff like that. I mean, it's just all around just a horrible situation.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's been nothing like this and, and, With someone as big as him, I mean, you know, as we've said so many times, he's a global icon. I mean, just, you know, whether it be in China or Italy or, you know, here in America, just an absolute icon and the embodiment of competitiveness. I mean, you know, the Mamba mentality, you know, is no joke. I mean, you know, and and we're reading, you know, so many stories coming out now from people who covered him throughout his entire career, people who knew him, players, you know, how competitive he was. And I think that's something that every athlete and hell, I think everybody who has a job can can kind of equate that to their own life and want to hit. So, um, again, there were nine victims, his daughter being one, uh, John uh, Altabelli who uh, was a coach at a California community college and he used to coach the Brewster Whitecaps, I think in 2012, I don't want to get that wrong. I think it was 2012. Um, And, and, and there were, you know, a few others. So, I mean, it is, it's so sad. And as you said, there's nothing that I think comes close to this Um, again, at least in my lifetime, you know, there's Roberto Clemente. um, uh, And then there was Roy Halladay a few years ago. Uh, There was Jose Fernandez as well, but um, no disrespect to the last two. I mean, Kobe Bryant is just, I mean, he's an, as I said, he's an icon. Um, so it's a weird day. Uh, when I texted you about coming on yesterday, I texted you like at four o'clock on, mm-hmm. on Sunday, which was right when the, around when the news broke. And I felt weird even like asking about a different sport. Um, I just felt this whole thing feels so weird to me. And, and, yeah, and, it, and, and it, it's very surreal. And I don't, it's so hard to, to capture it and to understand it. It's something I don't think we really will ever, uh, but it shows, goes to show how impactful his life was that in 41 years. Um, I mean, he, he, you know, this is global news. This is bigger than impeachment trials going on. This is bigger, you know, uh, the U, uh, the U S embassy in Baghdad, if I, uh, if I read correctly, got hit by three rockets yesterday, that was obviously put to the side. I mean, this, this Kobe news is so huge. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what the Lakers do tonight, aka Tuesday night, uh, when they return home, his Clippers, so, but, um, this is the Bruins podcast, as we said, and there are some Bruins topics I think to talk about. They're in the middle of a bye week. Um, they just came off the All Star break, and David Pachanok, on a much lighter note, had a much more had a very positive uh, All Star experience. Wins MVP uh, of the All Star game, uh, and he lost too. And mm-hmm. do I have to say the joke? Another finals no. loss no. in St. Louis for the Bruins. Four things. No. Uh, but uh, but I had an interesting take, I think, from from post with the all-star game, you know, uh, captain of the Atlantic team. Uh, he was showcased on a lot of social media by the NHL, um, you know, always smiling all, you know, those, those chipped teeth in the front. Everybody knows him. Uh, he wins MVP on the losing team and granted the fans voted, but I feel that there's some attempt here by the NHL to potentially make him a face or close to the face of the league. I mean, the guy scores a million goals, Genuinely very positive. Um, doesn't cause conflict, but, you know, people like talking to him. He's very outgoing. There's – I feel like, you know, with Austin Matthews, things that happened in the offseason with him, you know, getting in trouble for, you know, pulling his pants down to that, to that woman and Connor McDavid on a team that, you know, is good this year but has been irrelevant in the past. And, you know, he's kind of quiet, even though he's the greatest player maybe ever, skill-wise at least feels like there's a push and there's a real chance David Pasternak could become potentially the face of the NHL.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at kind of the the list of ingredients of what the NHL probably wants in a person that, you know, they want to be is the guy they kind of highlight in the league and he kind of checks off a whole bunch of them. I mean, obviously, number one, he's a great player. Uh Two, it's not like he's a guy who's, you know, not to like, you know, uh guy like Joe Thornton, who is a legit superstar player, obviously, but like a guy who's, you know, has nineteen goals and like eighty assists. Like they'd rather have, you know, the NHL wants to market a guy who's gonna hit the fifty goal mark, you know, year in, year out, which is very much what David Pasternock, you know, is on pace to do this year and again at his age should be doing for a long, long time. Um then you again you look at his kind of personality and he's a gregarious guy, a fun loving guy who also, uh, you know, is pretty humble though. You know, he comes from, you know, background where he said, you know, it was just Hockey and that's just kind of all he knew growing up um, over in the Czech Republic, and it's something that he tries to you know not take these kind of things for granted. So he's a guy he's easy to root for. Um, again, always has a smile on his face. So I think when you compare him to maybe a few of the other guys who are vying for kind of that role as the new kind of poster boy, of the NHL. As you said, I mean Connor McDavid is Connor McDavid, but he's not really the most you know uh, engaging, I guess maybe personality or the most infectious. I would say, because I think you can kind of draw the same parallels with maybe, you know, back when it was, you know, the early days of Crosby and Ovechkin, and they were kind of going back and forth, and, you know, Crosby was a little bit more of a a muted personality compared to a guy like Ovechkin, who was more of a flashy goal-scoring guy, a guy a little bit more outspoken a little bit more energetic, so you can kind of draw the parallels there, Um, and, I mean, it makes perfect sense for the NHL, and it seems, obviously, a lot of these things that talk, you know, being named. Atlantic division captain uh, winning MVP or a lot from the fan voting. So I think that's the biggest indicator that the NHL is noticing like, Hey, you know, his brain is really kind of evolving even beyond, you know, Boston or, you know, just like within the new England, you know, area that he's a guy that's on a lot of people's radars. I'm sure, you know, having that cup run helped a lot too, but I mean, he's a guy who I think everyone knows has established himself as one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. So, um, and again, if he keeps on doing what he's doing this year where he, you know, Passes 50 goals, flirts with 60 goals. I mean, he's already on his way to being, you know, like a top five, you know, a guy that even, you know, casual fans, I think, would get to start, you know, start knowing. I think everyone knows the Ovechkins and the McDavid's and Crosby, but like he's elevating himself above that kind of that that lower tier to being one of these household names, which I mean, you know, as as I said, you know, he's got all the ingredients for it. Like he, if there's a guy deserving of getting that title, it would be a guy like him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a close comparable would also be in baseball with Mike Trout and Aaron Judge. I mean, yeah, Mike Trout exactly. is, you know, this generational talent who's kind of stuck on a mediocre team in Anaheim, California, and is, you know, pretty reserved and somewhat quiet. Aaron Judge hits just, you know, 50 home runs, you know, per year, no problem. I mean, granted, he's like, what, two years in, so that could fall yeah. off, who knows. But he's, it just hits a ton of home runs, plays in New York City for the, you know, the New York Yankees you know, that gets the attention. Same with Pasternak. I mean, the guy just scores goals. I feel like also the, the league tried to go that route with Tarasenko a few years ago. And he's mm-hmm. kind of, he's, you know, he's kind of not falling off, but he hasn't been the face. Uh, even though he won right. a Stanley cup last year, I mean, he only gets like 60, 70 points a year, you know, kind of he's also a
1: smaller market too, which plays exactly. Into I think is is, you know, scoring 50 goals a year for the Dallas. Stars, you know, I don't think it's even if it Dallas is a big market, it's not, a hockey market it's not something that people are people are tuning in you know you have him going up against you know teams with other big markets like toronto or montreal or new york or all those things like that i think it you know plays a lot more into the angel's favor to are not gonna guy like him who's with an original six club
0: yeah I, I think there's just as you said the perfect words ingredients he has every ingredient to be that i would not be surprised to see him on the cover of nhl 21 next year or in the coming years because he's kind of that type of personality you know good with mm-hmm. You know, just as you said, just a goal scorer um, and someone who's exciting, who's fun to root for. Um, So I could absolutely totally see a guy like him becoming the face, which I don't know if we could have seen that a few years ago. I don't think we could have ever anticipated he made this jump as quickly as he did. I feel like we always expected him to be, you know, a first line right winger, but not, you know, in the top echelon of NHL players. And now here he is. I mean, all-star game MVP. um, and, And that's sort of he's been. The, the main constant throughout this Bruin season has been Pasternak. I mean, his longest goal-scoring drought was like five games. And then right. he just comes back and scores a bunch. So, you know, it, it's kind of been his year. And we'll get to the mid-season awards because uh, it is mid-season. We'll get to those in a sec. Uh, Connor, I first want to talk to you a little bit uh, about my friends at BetOnline.ag. And I think you're going to – there's some questions here that I think you'll like because uh, so there's still more than a week – or it's a little less than a week before the Super Bowl, uh, but there's still a ton of wagering you can do uh, for this week. First question. How long will the national anthem go? That's a big question a lot of people have. I say I say it flirts with like two to three minutes. What about you? Who's
1: uh, who's singing it?
0: I uh, See, this thing. I don't know who's singing it. This, this that's.
1: I think that's the, the whole thing you have to, to base it on. Because you have people who you know are just going to like really go for it and go for like three minutes. I, regardless of who it's going to be, I'm going to say I'm so like, unenthused by this Super Bowl now that like I really... I don't even know exactly. how to, like, size or anything like that. I'm going to do – I'm going to do over three minutes, just over three minutes. This is going to be a long, drawn-out one, like like how this whole week's going to be with people praising Patrick in the home. It's going to be all drawn out. I'm going to hate it by the time I get to the weekend.
0: Uh So I just read this on Bleacher Report. Demi Lovato will perform the national anthem before the 2020 Super Bowl. Uh, I actually watched the Grammys on Sunday night. Uh, and she did have a, you know, it was a, little, a longer song, I guess. I, I don't know how to compare it to the anthem. This is all I know. I'm just trying to analyze the best I can. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I'll say it goes, you know, that I'll say it goes a little bit longer. I would take the over. Uh, will there be a wardrobe malfunction? That's a big one. I don't know if we can really, it's kind of just guessing. Uh, if there's a wardrobe malfunction say, or not. Considering how big of a, a production it
1: is and the looming threat of the FTC, considering what happened last time, I'm going to say no.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think there will be. Uh, how many yards will Patrick Mahomes throw for? I say over 300. Um, there's part of me that thinks he's not going to do so hot because the Niners have a athletic defensive line. Football mm-hmm. knowledge for you, Bruins Beat listeners, uh, which you probably are big fans of right now, but um, maybe he throws for over 300. Uh, there are literally hundreds of props to bet on before the game even starts, which makes it fun. I mean, that makes the game – again, the Patriots aren't in it. If you want to make the game fun – and you want to be engaged in it. Make these little prop bets. They're not a lot and they make the game just a little bit more fun and easy money to win if you get them. Uh, so head over to betonline.eg and use our promo code CLNS50 to revive, uh, excuse me, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and get in on everything about the game. Again, CLNS50 to get 50% cash back. Bring the playoffs home with our exclusive sportsbook partner, Bet Online. All right. So, uh, you can't bet on these midseason awards, uh, but we'll <laughs> still discuss them. Um, We'll start – so we're gonna just going to do the first half of the season because it, it pretty much is the halfway point of the year. And why the hell not? It's a bye week. We need things to talk about. Uh, I right. can't praise Posh for the entire um, length of the podcast, even though I think we might in the next few minutes. Uh, but so first question is Team MVP. And because I'm throwing these at you as we're discussing them, I will just go first, and then you can go second, unless you are dying to get yours out first. One
1: no, um, is all yours.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, team MVP – I tried to think outside the box on this. I really did, and some of the others I am going to on. But the f- team MVP, as we said, it's got to be Pasternak. I mean, if you have it, you know, a, just consistent, goal scoring a ton, uh, With even with Bergeron going down at certain parts, he's still been so consistent scoring. It has to be, in my opinion, David Pasternak. What would you say your answer would be?
1: Yeah, I'd probably say Pasternak, too. I think, you know, runners-up is, um, is obviously Kuka Rask, who, you know, I think every year you kind of expect, you know, that that kind of mid-season or early season dip has kind of been the case over the last, you know, three, four years especially, and he really hasn't hit that this year. And for a guy who's coming off, you know, a short summer and well, obviously kind of the, the struggles that Halak is going to run into lately, you expect maybe a heavier workload. Which I think he's still on pace for a little bit heavier than I think they probably want, but uh I think he's still been mostly nailed for most of this year and ideally hopefully he'll be good to go either right after this break or you know maybe miss another game or two or, or something like that but I think he's been great and even if uh a guy like Brad Martian who I think still gets you know I think he's kind of in the doghouse lately for a few of his you know recent you know whiffs like that that shootout you know whiff he had and stuff and I know he hasn't really been scoring goals that uh he's really kind of dried up lately but I think when you look at you know the most important part of the game offensively is you know you can't win with just a good power play. You need a guy that drives five-on-five play. And I think, uh, you know, Martian still, I think, their most consistent guy at driving that offense at five-on-five. I think if you look at, like, his numbers, I think he's, like, third in the NHL in, like, five-on-five points, like, per 60. Like, it's him. And then right above him is, like, Artemi Panarin and Nathan McKinnon. Like, even if, you know, he's not scoring these goals, you know, he's the guy who's, you know, helping, you know, establishing possession in the O zone. He's the guy who's able to Fight off two or three, you know, opposing skaters, check the puck. But he does all those little things that, you know, contribute that lead to those sequences that lead to five on five goals in offense. So I think even, you know, if he's in this little bit of a cold streak I and mean, he's still on what? He's still on pace for another hundred point season. So I still think he's a guy you have to look at as, you know, even if he's not scoring goals, he's doing the things to contribute to offense. So I think Martian's right up there too.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Professional hockey writers association, I guess, did these mid season awards. Um, and for the Hart Trophy midseason, uh, number one, McDavid, number two, McKinnon, number three, David Pasternak. So, yeah, I think he's been the team MVP thus far, but Marshawn, not too far behind. And neither is Rask. I mean, you know, he splits time with a lock here and there, but I mean, we all kind of expected that early season dip as he has had mm-hmm. a lot in the past uh, few years. Um, and this year that wasn't there great uh, so now we get into the more fun questions that aren't so concrete uh, biggest surprise and biggest disappointment um, we'll go surprise first my biggest surprise is how commanding they've grasped first place um, and that kind of comes from both sides like uh, their play the second half of the first half which is like put your mind in a pretzel for a second but for the, for their play for a lot of that I didn't think they played like, like they didn't play for like a first place team for a lot of that. Um, Mm -hmm. and they stay in first place and that's due to the lightning's late surge and the Leafs kind of struggling to find their, their ground. I mean, the fact that the Leafs imploded at one point and fired Mike Babcock, I mean, nobody could have seen that coming. Uh, Mm -hmm. so that was, that's sort of been the biggest surprise thus far of the year is the Bruins grasp on first, even though they're not really playing to it. And the guys under them aren't really doing much either. They're starting to, uh, they have an Mm -hmm. eight point lead still. Even so, I mean, eight-point lead last year would have been unheard of. Um, right. But they've had it for pretty much the entire season. Uh, Connor Ryan, what would you say your biggest surprise this season has
1: been? I mean, I think you you obviously have a good one there. I think maybe from a player perspective, I would say um, just, you know, I think Callow's you know, continued growth of his game has been the thing that I think has stood out the most to me. You know, I think everyone kind of knows what his bread and butter is, and, you know, he's a stay-at-home kind of lockdown defenseman. But I think even in that area, He's gotten so much better even, you know, look at what he did last year. And, um, you know, I think he's become, like, a legitimate shutdown option. I mean, when you see, especially when they put him with Chara on one D pairing, like, I think they've been skating together for, like, a 100 minutes this year. And, like, they only let up, like, one goal. Like, they're a legitimate, like, bona fide shutdown option. And you're seeing his offense come along a little bit more, which is great. you um, know he's benefiting with getting a little bit, you know, a few more minutes with, like, the Bergeron line, which helps out but I think just his overall evolution to being a guy that you can trust to play 24, 25 minutes a night and really, you know, limit the opposing scoring changes. has been huge. Um He's one guy. And then I also like as a small one, I think uh people have been impressed with Bjork and how he's done this year in terms of, you know, you didn't really know what to expect after two season ending, you know, shoulder injuries, which are obviously a whole lot of nasty. Um, But I think he's a guy who's really evolved his game, especially from a defensive uh side. You know, I think when you, looked at what Bjork was going to bring at the NHL level. You're thinking, all right, did he at his peak? He's a offense first kind of guy, 20, 25 goals. I mean, he's like evolving into this guy who, you know, could be a 20, 20 goal scorer down the road. You know, he's got that skill, but he's also like great skater. He's getting so much stronger on the puck. He's anticipating, you know, where these passes are coming from. He's cutting off teams. you know, uh, Cassidy's trusted him on PK duties at times. Um, and you're looking at like the numbers when he's out there, like a lot of opposing scoring just dry up when he's out there. So look down the line, even like later on this year, if you get, you know, a, a top six winger, and you're able to put a guy like Bjork with a guy like Coyle um, on a line together, like that line, put him with Heinen. Th- those crew could be like a defensive buzzsaw where like, all right, any offense you have is crazy because nothing's going to get by them. Otherwise, like I think Bjork's evolution in that area has been something that I don't think a lot of people really saw coming. Again, if you saw Bjork having 15 goals this year, you'd be like, great. You know, you you take know the good, the bad, with the guy who's learning the game at the NHL level. But I think his defensive plays really stood out.
0: And also, again, as you mentioned, if he was on that third line, you know, getting the favorable matchups. Coyle exactly. benefited a lot from that last year. And I think a guy like Bjork would also benefit a lot from, from that this year. Um, also another uh, candidate for biggest surprise, and it's not that big, but... And it's kind of something we've been saying for a couple of years now. Char at 42 years old is still, mm-hmm. you know, getting top line minutes. And mm-hmm. he's doing a solid job of it. I think that's also another little solid surprise there for the Bruins. Um, disappointment. For me, I would say secondary scoring. And sort of the back half uh, of the uh, of the offense. So, you know, Jake DeBrusque, to me, has some more to give. Uh, he's, You know, he gets hot for stretches, but... You gotta you, he's he's got to reach the level where you know he's, he's been in the NHL long enough. And Cassie's even said this where you know you need to be that you need to have that consistency. Um, and then also guys like on the fourth line, you know, Corrali, their production has not been what it was last year. Um, Coil has been hot and cold in stretches. Uh, he's great, you know, with the puck. He's great defensively, um, but just the points why the, the points aren't always there. So for me, it's secondary scoring. That's my biggest disappointment thus far.
1: Yeah, Um, I mean, obviously I'm going to stick up to a lot of people like Brett Ritchie, but like, I also feel like no one really, oh
0: God. Knew what
1: to expect from that. Like, I feel like when that was uh, an option where they mentioned it was a, a top six option, I think a lot of people were skeptical, so I won't go there. Um I think the one that kind of sticks out to me, there's a few guys, obviously you said DeBrusque, which again, if he keeps up kind of the pace he's on right now, he's going to end up with like, 27 goals and, like, maybe 50 points. So, like, on paper, it looks great. But, again, he's got to get that more consistent kind of output. You can't have these kind of 30 games of so-so play and then 10 games of being on fire. You know, I think they'd rather have it be a more consistent kind of, you know, stretch um, in terms of what he can kind of bring. Because when he's going, you see how much it helps that second line. I got, like, Clay or Coil when he's really rolling. Um I would say, in general, I'd probably say the the fourth line's been something that I think you know, they've been one of the best kind of groups of the last couple of years. Maybe the expectations are just higher, but I think you see in those, those games where, um, you know, they're really locked in and Corrales, you know, operating, you know, the F3 and Wagner's hitting everything he sees and getting these quality looks on net. um, you know, Nordstrom's blocking shots, like when they're really rolling and really impacting the game, I think the domino effect is so, so great that, you know, it helps so many other lines. They kind of build off that momentum. Um, when you saw last year in the playoffs when they really kind of caught fire and, um, you know, you can make the case that like guys like Nordstrom and Corelli uh, were some of the better guys, you know, in like the Stanley Cup final, which you're not going to win most finals if they're your best players. But again, when they're contributing and playing either as advertised or above, you know, what you expect from them, it makes that whole rest of that lineup so much more dangerous when you can kind of build off that momentum. So I think it seems like they're turning the corner lately. You're seeing more of these more – encouraging games over the last, you know, couple of weeks. But I think getting them into more of a groove consistency uh, is going to be huge for the Bruins. Hopefully they can kind of get to that – back to that level they were at last year.
0: Yeah, and you and, and Cassidy also mentioned recently more internal competition with those lines. I mean, we're seeing Anton mm-hmm. Bleed get called up. Uh, we're seeing Nordstrom be healthy scratched. Uh, you know, Chris Wagner had a game recently. I str- I forget who it was against. He didn't even have a point. I think it might have been against Winnipeg. Uh, didn't mm-hmm. even have a point, but he was so impactful in the game. Where he, like, um, hit everything
1: had moved, and he had, like – it was credited for one hit. And he had, like, seven shots on goal, like, in ten minutes or something. It was it was not – Yes.
0: It was absurd. So they're starting to get in the groove. But for me, the first – for the first half of the season, the biggest disappointment would probably be uh, the secondary scoring. Also, a uh, guy like David Backus, it's not even that he's been a disappointment. His situation has been so disappointing. Um, That's uh, – that day was really – like, hearing that, I mean, you kind of, like – if it wasn't for you, I don't know if I would ever heard of the Baptist news because we were sitting there at practice and you just kind of sh- slid your phone over with the news on it. I was like, thank you for showing me this because it probably would have taken a few minutes for me to get to it. But um, I, it, it's, it's so unfortunate and, and I've discussed it here and we're not going to get too into it, but it's so sad sort of how he's fallen off. And how the game has moved on. And it also shows how good a guy like Chara is. That Chara you know, is, is much older and he's been able to sort of keep up with the league. So um, that's also been disappointing. I don't know if it's a disappointment because mm-hmm. none of us really expected David Backus to do much of anything this year. Um, mm-hmm. And now we're sort of waiting. He, he hasn't played a game in Providence yet, right? No. no. Okay. So no. that's what I thought. So we're sort of all waiting to see what his next move is. Um retire again retirement might seem you know attractive but you're also missing out on millions of wow. dollars so Heck, no man. one really knows what's going to happen with that um so biggest moment of the first half um obviously it's regular season play it's not like you know too big nothing stands out that much but um one thing that stood out to me was it was a December 1st game against the Montreal Canadiens. Pasternak was just starting to get the prominence. He had that game on uh, on Black Friday where you know, he had the great pass to Krejci. You know, he'd just been so, so hot. And it was the beginning of guys starting to go after him more and, and get more physical with him. And there had been a brawl either earlier in the game or after this happened uh, with Shea Weber. It was like at center ice. Pasternak was involved. They went after him. Um, and then I think it was the game-winning goal. Pasternak comes in on Carey Price and just rips an absolute laser from an awkward angle. It goes right over Price's shoulder. It goes right in. And he just stands there with his hands up and mm-hmm. just smiling. I mean, it's, it's an incredible picture. And it was an incredible mm-hmm. scene. And for me, that's the moment of the first half. You know, guys going after Pasternak, trying to stop him, and they just can't. And he gets to celebrate and, and win the game. So for me... I think that has been that was the moment of the first half, or the most memorable at least.
1: Yeah, I think there's obviously uh, a whole bunch of good options. I think the one that sticks out to me is uh, the end of October when they played the Blues again back here, and that whole week building up to it, you know, they kind of knew what all the questioning was going to be, and they really kind of downplayed it and how it's, you know, it's just another regular season game. And then you look at the start of that game, I think Chara Wallops, Oscar Sunquist, who obviously has a history with the Bruins, uh, like 38 seconds into the game. And that was a game that really felt like a, a, a you know, a preview of what the playoffs again should be, a, you know, harking back to, you know, what we kind of saw back in June. And, um, that I think is just a game that shows, you know, this is still pretty much the, it's a reminder. It's pretty much the same group that, you know, kind of got knocked around, uh, last Stanley Cup final. I think even through all the kind of the ebbs and flows, I guess that you could say from this year in terms of, you know, not playing at kind of their, 100% level, you know, as to what you're expecting from this crew. Like, I think when you get to the playoffs, you're still going to be a locked-in kind of group that's, you know, all bought into, you know, kind of getting back to that level they were at last year. And I think you saw a game like that where there's a lot of scraps. And you can even build off of how they were in this uh home game against Pittsburgh right before the break where they catch a lot of flack for getting knocked around in that Columbus game before, and answering for Rask. And then Troy Cruz drops the gloves, a whole bunch of fights. So I think it's showing that you know, once they get to the playoffs and the game slows down, gets more physical, I think, you know, again, we're at the same crew as last year. You're going to have a lot of buy-in for hopefully another extended Stanley Cup run.
0: And I also think that, you know, struggles in January and in December don't mean that the team's going to miss the playoffs and you have to fire the GM and fire the coach. I mean, it, it like, this happens with teams. Is 82 games in a season. It happens with the Bruins every year, it feels like. I mean, it's... You just know, as long as they make a deal at the deadline to get somebody for offensive help, at least they're going to be the same team in the playoffs. And it comes down to how they play in April. And the confidence is that they probably will play pretty well, especially with this group. Um, So quite the first half. They're in first place. I mean, it's funny. The mood doesn't feel like a first place team. But they are in first place. And if this is as bad as it gets, that's not too bad. Um, And, you know, exciting all-star game. Uh, Connor, before I let you go, is there anything you'd like to plug uh, before I let you go?
1: Uh, well, this is the, kind of the stretch from the bye week where I'm kind of catching up on a couple of projects, so hopefully we'll have some stuff out either by the end of uh, this week or next week or something around that time. So um, obviously follow along on com. subscribe, um, and then if you want to follow me on Twitter, follow me at Connor Ryan underscore 93.
0: It's a great idea to do both of those things. And as you Bruins Beat listeners know, Connor's on all the time, and he's tremendous. We like him. Um, so, Connor, thank you so much for joining. Uh, and for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners have a great rest of your week. <laughs>